This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, May 23, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. Outgoing Defense Secretary Robert Gates says the U.S. shouldn't make big cuts to military spending, but his arguments defending our bloated military are deeply flawed. So says Benjamin Friedman, research fellow in Defense and Homeland Security Studies at the Cato Institute. Friedman is co-author of the Cato Report, Budgetary Savings from Military Restraint. Secretary Gates has said that we can't do it all in efficiency in terms of getting uh, military spending cuts, but then he says we shouldn't do anything beyond the gains in efficiency that we can achieve. Our argument uh, at Cato, Chris Preble, and my argument about defense spending is that it requires cutting defense commitments, that you really save money by doing less, and then you can have less personnel, less operational costs, and so forth. And sometimes the Secretary of Defense says things that cause us to Uh, think he agrees with us. He'll say, well, um, we have to make some choices about our roles in the world. Um, But then he gives a speech like he did yesterday, where he comes out and says, well, everything we're doing in the world is really essential to our security. Uh, So it it seems sometimes he's sending sort of uh, conflicting messages. But I think really what he's doing is on the way out the door, trying to set current policies in stone. And he's a hawkish guy. So he's sort of I think tying uh, the next Secretary of Defense, Leon Penn, at his hands or trying to by uh, making it harder for us to draw down some of the commitments we have around the world. What else jumped out at you in uh, what Secretary Gates said? Well, he has a, a, a paragraph in there sort of uh, describing why uh, we shouldn't spend less on defense. And I'll just read it quickly so I can respond to it. He says, quote, a recurring theme in America for nearly a century has been a tendency to conclude after each war that the fundamental nature of man and the iron realities of nations have changed, that history in all of its unpredictable and tragic dimensions has come to a civilized end, that we will no longer have to confront foreign enemies with size, steel, and strength. Another tendency repeated over the last century has been for Americans repeatedly to avert our eyes in the belief that remote events elsewhere in the world need not engage this country from the assassination of the Austrian Archduke in unknown Bosnia-Herzegovina in 1914 to the rise of a group called the Taliban in Afghanistan and their alliance with an organization called Al-Qaeda in the 1990s. The lessons of history tell us that we must not diminish our ability or our determination to deal with threats and challenges on the horizon because ultimately they need to be confronted." Unquote. So that's a straw man argument. I mean, he's saying that those of us who want to cut the defense budget essentially believe that we can sing kumbaya and declare world peace and that we have nothing left to worry about. But of course, if you take the recommendations that we made, Chris Preble and I, in our report, Budgetary Savings from Military Restraint, we'd still be spending over three times what China does on its defense budget. We'd still be spending over $400 billion a year. Maybe we should cut more than that. But, I mean, we're going to be way ahead of any potential competitor. So the way Gates is arguing is, well, you never know what's going to happen in the future. Uh, history shows that risks always arise, so you can never cut the defense budget. Of course, you can make that argument if we were spending three times as much on defense. He's essentially saying we have no ability to discern any relative levels of safety. We have no ability to say how much we ought to spend. And obviously, it must be the case that there are times when we're safer than other times. So I think this is really, uh, despite all the lovely language he uses there, a straw man argument that just confuses people. And implicitly, he's making an argument about trade-offs that uh, just doesn't wash. Yeah, he's making an argument essentially that we, we shouldn't make trade-offs. I mean, I wrote an article about the precautionary principle in uh, the defense policy world uh, a few years ago for Regulation Magazine, where I said, 
the arguments that environmentalists make where we say there's they say there's uncertainty about this particular environmental effect so we have to be extremely precautionary we have to take great costs lest this uncertain thing occurs if you don't like that argument from environmentalists, you shouldn't like it from the Secretary of Defense. He's essentially saying that all the risks are on one side. There's no risk in overspending. But of course, uh, there's risks to our economy. And there's also risks in terms of what we do. I mean, he acts as if and says in the speech that the United States is sort of the only thing standing between the world and uh, stability and trade and swirling chaos. And I think the theoretical basis for saying that is very weak. Uh, I think that we probably create more trouble, certainly for ourselves, than we prevent by having the forward role in the world. We cause states to balance. We cause states to build weapons, nuclear weapons sometimes, that they might otherwise not build. And we have enemies uh, that we need not have. So we create some in instability. And Gates's argument is essentially that we have no choice about these things. He mentions World War I, as I uh, pointed out in that quote. I would have liked to have not fought that war for the United States of America. I don't think it was worth it. So he, he is sort of pretending that all these threats are uh, inevitable, that we have no choice. But of course, I think strategy is about making choices uh, about what, what threats to engage. His argument seems to be that if we cut military spending, global stability is therefore threatened. He doesn't mean uh, military spending around the world. He just means ours, that is supplanting other countries' military spending. In many cases, that's the U.S. defending people who can and should defend themselves. He doesn't have a clear story about why our military spending is inevitable. Usually people are, is, is essential to global stability. Usually the argument is, well, if we let, say, Japan defend itself, Japan would spend more on its military, and that would cause some sort of problem with China. And that problem with China would cause some sort of uncertainty that would, or war that would screw up trade in the region and ultimately uh, it would damage us. But of course, he's not explicit about that. And I think he's not explicit because it's a theoretical argument that requires saying if about 12 times before you get to a point where it actually negatively affects United States taxpayers and citizens. So uh, I think actually states tend to step up when uh, hegemons like us don't act and defend their own interests. They have a lot of reasons to do that. And I don't think there would be a war between China and Japan absent United States, uh, the United States defending Japan. And it certainly wouldn't be a, a, a war in Europe uh, if the United States cut down on our military commitment there. So I think it's, it, his argument depends on a pretty uh, weak causal story. It's funny, in, it, in the speech he quotes a letter that John Quincy Adams sent to his son where he says, John Quincy Adams, public business, my son, must always be done by somebody. It will be done by somebody or another. If wise men decline it, others will not. If honest men refuse it, others will not. And then he says, well, uh, in, US, uh, in, in the world, uh, if the United States doesn't try to run things, somebody else will. Uh, but it's not – the point of the quote is actually that somebody else will act if you don't. And the only way it makes sense is to say that the United States are the only wise, sort of honest people in the world and uh, we're, as he says, the indispensable nation. And I think that's a notion that is incredibly hubristic and uh, overstates our wisdom and our ability to discern the interests of other countries and organize their politics. And other states are in the best position. They're the wisest ones to sort of come up with the answers for their own uh, regions because they're there and because it's their own interests. 
Benjamin Friedman is a research fellow in Defense and Homeland Security Studies at the Cato Institute. He is co-author of the Cato Report, Budgetary Savings from Military Restraint, available at Cato.org.